Pastor Jack Hafer was with us a number of years ago, and he shared an amazing story about this uh, older couple who got married. And uh, the lady had never been married before, never had children. And so these folks well up in age get married. And someone laughingly said to them, are you going to have children? And they said, well, if it so be that we are to have children, we're okay with that. But uh, we're kind of past those years. So time went by. They'd been married probably a little over a year. And they announced that she was pregnant. Everybody was just amazed. Months went by. Baby was born. And because of their age, it made quite a story in the community so much so so that the media wanted to come out to the house. And so they did. Came out. Did an interview with the mom and dad and were talking with the mom and said, would it be possible for us to see the baby while we're here? She said, when it cries. And they said, well, you know, that's fine, but, but can you help us understand why do you need us to wait till it cries? Because she said, well, the baby went to sleep a little while ago and I forgot where I laid it down. May or may not be true, Pastor Jack is a very reputable man. And there have been some pretty miraculous stories of births. Maria del Carmen Busado de Laura is the oldest fully verified mother. She was 66 years, 358 days when she gave birth to twins. I'd say give her 67, that's close enough. The oldest verified mother to conceive naturally Uh, As of January 2017, in the Guinness Book of Records is Don Brooke Gersney, who conceived a son at the age of 59 in 1997. That's just a scary thought. And then one that has not been fully verified by all whatever they do to document, but it's pretty good reason to believe it's true, uh, is a lady from India by the name of Aramadi Mangama, And she has the record for actually being the oldest living mother at the age of 74. So some of you folks need to get busy. We need kids in our nursery. She delivered twin baby girls and she's also the oldest mother to give birth to twins. Well, we're talking about the radical ways of God, right? And this week, the title is Not Too Old. It's a great story that's a part of the whole Christmas story about a couple who really were like the couple Jack Hayford described. They were past the age where they should have had kids. And yet God had an amazing radical plan to take these old folks and do something in their life. Look with me at Luke chapter 1. We're starting to read at verse 5 in the Passion Translation. 
During the reign of King Herod the Great of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also from a family of priests and was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they both were quite old." One day, Zechariah's priestly order was on duty, and he was serving as priest. He was chosen by the casting of lots, according to the custom of the priesthood. So the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. For I've come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while still in his mother's womb, and he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of the righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zacharias asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? Now, isn't it funny? He just had the bejeebies scared out of him by the angel appearing. All of a sudden, all fear has gone out the window. I really don't know whether I believe you or not. I'm an old man and my wife is too old for give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. You may want to go home and finish reading the rest of the story. It's just an incredible story of him going through this whole time during Elizabeth's pregnancy, not being able to speak. And literally when the time comes that the child is born, he uh, has to write down his name's going to be John because that's another way that God did something radical. There was nobody in the family named John, and yet that's what God had said his name was to be because this is the story of John the Baptist who became the forerunner of Christ who had a miraculous and powerful influence in the laying the stage for Jesus to actually be brought into the world. And so there's several things from this story that I think are important for us to understand. Because I think sometimes we read these stories and we say, yeah, but that was Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were in the middle of their whole life being wrapped up in whatever God would do. And I'm just me. Are you fogging a mirror when you look at it? Have you embraced Jesus in your heart? Then why don't you believe God could do supernatural things through you? What would happen if we really believed that the Bible is true? And we lived our lives according to that belief.
So what do we do if we want to see God move in a special way? I think we tend to get caught up in this notion of, boy, if there ever is something that's just phenomenal, then I'm really open to it. But here is the secret to having God do the phenomenal in your life. It begins by being faithful in routine while expecting the extraordinary. It isn't get the extraordinary in line and now I'll get faithful. It's living in faithfulness until you see the extraordinary happen. Verses six through nine, they were both righteous before God, living virtually and virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren and now they both were quite old. Zechariah was going about priestly order on duty and was serving as a priest. He was chosen by the casting of lots. In other words, he got the lot for that day according to the custom of the priesthood. So the honor fell upon him to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. Bible tells us it's required of a steward. It's required of someone who's been given responsibility that we be found faithful. Do you have some things that you do just because they're routine? Probably there's routines in your house, in your daily life that you operate in. Most of us get up in the morning. Hopefully we shower. Hopefully you put on deodorant and don't just shower. If that hasn't become a ritual in your life, could I suggest it? But so much of life is routine. Go to the same place, go to the same job. And it's interesting how that we just assume it's always going to be that way. You know, it was real funny. Uh, Pastor Grace and I were talking to Marianne and Dave Friday night and come to find out the very floor where Grace works, they both worked years ago when what is now the headquarters for the YMCA was a medical lab. And actually, I think Dave installed the, or had installed the lock system for the elevator that's still working all these years later. And yet, when you guys were there in routine every day, you never dreamed that someday that would be the office of the YMCA or that Pastor Grace would be working in the same space that you were doing medical work years ago. We just get caught up in what the routine is now, and we don't think about What are going to be different things that happen? And that was true with Zacharias and Elizabeth. They just lived this way for years. Years that they had wanted a child. I think they probably had somewhere along the way had a hope chest for the child. Probably there was a a time where they may have even had a nursery prepared and they had just given up. And yet I don't believe they ever took the nursery down. But what they did do was they continued to be faithful to God. I can't stress to you how important it is to be faithful. In my first pastorate, I had a family. And they had this expression that they used frequently, and it just drove me nuts. They would talk about either being in or out. And what they meant by that was they went through spells where they were just real faithful 
to be involved and be committed to the work of God and to God working in their lives. And then they would get discouraged and they wouldn't show up at church for months. They wouldn't do anything to volunteer. They wouldn't get involved. They, literally, the guy had one day where they were broke and he prayed to God, God, would you just let money fall down? And a penny fell off of the ceiling into his hands. You'd think now he'd become a strong tither. No, he was still struggling with money years later. Because the sad thing was they never learned how to be faithful. I'm so thankful because so many of this church family understand that principle. And I think one of the things right now is that we're in a place where we're on the verge of seeing God do some new and amazing things. And I believe one of the reasons that is going to happen is because we have a church family who many have faithfully been praying and believing for what God is doing and what he's going to do for years. And God's going to manifest himself because God honors faithfulness just like he did with Zachariah and Elizabeth. And it's so funny that there's times that we have things that we've wanted so badly and it's so disappointing when they don't happen. Things that we've just thought this is the way it should be. This is what I really want to have. And then we're so disappointed. I I remember when we were looking at a building over on Innovation Boulevard to move LifeBridge Church to. And it was an industrial office industrial combination building. And we had some great plans of how we could convert that into a church. I was so convinced that it was going to happen. I literally had a Yukon in those days. And I would drive that Yukon around the property and claim it for God. I drove it sometimes seven times and the walls never fell down. And all along, I thought, that's going to be where we are. And I'll never forget the day when we found out that they found out that what we wanted to do with it was make it a church and they weren't willing to lease us the facility. I was rather disheartened. But I determined it was God's decision, God's choice, not mine. And that we were going to be faithful to God, whatever he did. And you know what? In just a few days, I'll never forget when Roger Dean called me and said, go look, there's a piece of property that I want you to see. And you or I are here right now where I came and looked at that empty piece of property. The faithfulness of God, but I was determined to not let the extreme disappointment, and I am so thankful to God that we are not on Innovation Boulevard because the closest thing to innovation about that building was the name of the street. It would have been a warehouse turned into a church and it would have looked like it. God knew that he had a facility he had planned for us that was far greater than what I could have faith for at that point in time. But God was able to do it. One of the other things that I want to talk to you about, one of the things that I think sometimes we pride ourselves in, in churches that see themselves as evangelistic and even uh, Pentecostal or charismatic, is that we're not liturgical. In other words, we didn't hand you a program this morning that we're following every line on the program as we do the service this morning. It's not all totally pre-planned ahead of time. And there's almost this smug sense of pride that develops in churches like ours that we aren't liturgical. And I think at the same time, it's important for us to understand tradition is not a bad thing. It is a tradition 
for your employer to give you a paycheck. I don't think you want them to stop that tradition. You probably would like for that to continue. The problem that we have is that we sometimes lose sight of what the tradition means. And I really challenge you. I'm thankful this year that we're going to have service on Christmas Eve. uh, And and it's going to be just a great time. But I don't look at us missing Sunday morning as something that's an evil thing. By the same token, the tradition of having a service on Sunday morning is going to be shifted. And we're going to do it on Saturday night. And I think God's going to honor that. But we're not going to suddenly, this year, as soon as Christmas Eve's done, say, why haven't we been doing this all along? No more Sunday morning services. Going to be on Sunday night now. Because for us right now, where we are, who we are as a church family, the Sunday morning scenario fits far better for us than it would if we were just doing one service on Saturday night. The tradition in itself is not a bad thing. And that was the thing about this couple. They had worked in tradition. He was involved in tradition in the fact that he was the honored priest to actually go into the place of the Holy of Holies. And he was just doing what he had done many, many times. But I believe this in him. I believe there was a reverence for the Holy of Holies that he never lost sight of. God help us in the midst of our traditions, the things that we just do because we're a believer, to not realize that God's anointing rests on those traditions and that he blesses in the midst of those traditions so that we don't get shocked when God's blessing comes out in this place as we are following the traditions of what God has called us to. And I pray that you have traditions with your family at Christmas time. And if you don't, this would be a great year to start them. To spend time where you as a family read the Word of God. Maybe sing together some Christmas music. And if you can't sing, get some YouTube and sing along with it. And turn the YouTube up real loud. But you want to be able to have a place because what's important for us is to know that even though the going to the holy place was an assignment that was chosen by Lot. In other words, he drew the straw that week to go in. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? You're going into the place where you could die if you did the wrong thing. And yet, it's just your week to go do it. And yet, he did not allow it to lose the significance in what he was doing of where he was going. And that literally, he was entering into the holy place before the Lord. We don't believe in holy buildings because the presence of God is inside of us. At the time that they were doing this, at the time that Zechariah was going into that room, the presence of God was inside that room and that's the only place it was. Why this is so important for you to know and for me to know and to not lose sight of is God's most holy place is no longer in a building anywhere. We went, we went to Temple Mount when we were in Jerusalem, but the temple's not even there. Because the holy place now is inside of you. I want you to think about that for a minute. When you get up every morning, you don't draw a straw to go into the holy place. 
The holy place is already inside of you. The question is, what's your awareness level? Do you ever stop and think about that? Do you recognize that everything that the holiness of God can do is in you? And I believe that Zachariah and Elizabeth understood that. And that's why they were so prepared for what God can do. Because God has a plan for your life. Your God-customized plan is a part of God's bigger plan. Verse 13, the angel reassured him saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God's showing grace to you, for I've come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even while still in his mother womb and he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of the righteous fathers and he will prepare united people who are ready for God's appearing. You say well why did you go back and read that? You already read it a minute ago and it's long. It's because I want you to realize God doesn't just have a haphazard plan for your life. He has a very detailed, customized plan of what He wants to accomplish in you. Don't look and say, this is for someone else. This is for you and Pastor Grace because you're pastors. No, this is for anybody who's a believer. The holy place is inside of you. And God has a plan for your life. The challenge that we have with that is because we get caught up in the natural plans that we're making. And we get caught up in the things that are planned for us that you just have to do because that's part of what it is. You become a parent. You suddenly have plans for your life that are brought into your life by school or other people that now is is something you adapt to as a part of the plan for your life. But you and I need to understand this. There is a plan that's been mapped out far greater than you and I could possibly think or imagine that God has prepared for you that he wants to live out in and through you. It's so important that you and I never cease to be amazed by God's grace. As I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking about some of the frailty in my own life. And the enemy really was working on me and saying, who do you think you are that you'd go up and even dare to declare the word of God? when you still struggle with stuff, when there's still stuff that doesn't come easy for you, when you still have things in your life that you should be letting the power of God take over for those and you haven't gotten to the place you need to be. And I had to come back to the truth that God's grace is so amazing. His mercies are new every morning. You had a bad week? Has today started off? Did you have a big family fight in the car coming to church and then got your Sunday faces on when you got here? God still has big plans for you.
God still has things he wants to accomplish. God has purposes, and his grace is what is going to empower you. It's not because suddenly you're going to become this self-righteous, holy person. Do you know people that just, they just drip with what seems to be holiness? I've known people like that. There was a, a family member many, many years ago who when it came to Christmas time in, that, in our family years ago, he was the designated person to do the spiritual things before we got to open presents or before we got to eat. And I always dreaded it because I knew when Uncle Harold got started, he was going to read the Christmas story with emphasis and that took time. And then when he got through with that, he was going to pray. I think he blessed every missionary that's ever gone out, every missionary that is out, and every missionary that is yet to come. Well, I'm realizing the turkey is getting cold. I wish I could tell you that I'd been spiritual enough to appreciate Uncle Harold, but I wasn't. And yet, I have a feeling he had flaws that I didn't know about. And God's mercy has not held it against me that I had evil thoughts about Harold every time he was praying. And God has still worked in my life. It's so important for us. And then to recognize that there are times when it seems like the overdue supernatural promise that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for suddenly interrupts the barriers of the natural. It would have been interesting to have been with Zachariah. Here he is in the Holy of Holies. He's in this most holy place. Literally, the Ark of the Covenant was, was, it was there where he was. And he's going about the worship. He's doing the right things. There were angels in that room every time he ever went in there. There's the presence of God. Wherever the presence of God is, there are angels. You, you can't see them possibly right now, but there are angels all over this room. If our spiritual eyes could fully be open to see it, I have no question that there aren't angels everywhere here. There are angels every time when I go anywhere. Now, I know they have a real fight before we get in the car. God, I had to ride with him last time, assign someone else this time, and let me off the hook. But there's always angels everywhere I go. There's angels everywhere you go. And here Zachariah is going through the tradition when suddenly the ordinary gets interrupted. And an angel manifest physically. I really would love to have an angel manifest because I want to know would I join the vast list of the people who've seen an angel and they were suddenly afraid? I think so. Because I don't think we know how to fully embrace from living so long in a natural world the full impact of that kind of supernatural manifestation. And that's what happened to him. And yet immediately he began to be open and he began to recognize that the natural had been interrupted by the supernatural. And it's important for us to know this. God's actual vision for us always seems larger than our capacity to deliver. We just don't think we're able. Zechariah immediately says, you know, 
I know that I've been shocked by you being here and I do realize you're an angel and I'm now kind of adjusting. My heart's kind of getting back to normal rhythm. And now that I'm getting back to normal rhythm, could I just ask you one thing? Did you look to see how old I was before you told me that I'm going to be a father? And do you understand that Elizabeth has been in menopause for 35 years? There's no pause with God. Ought to scare some of you older ladies. You don't know what God might do. Scare some of us older guys too, wouldn't it? But the truth is that we need to understand God's vision is so great. He wants us to step into it. And sometimes we're afraid because we don't think we're going to be able to pull it off. Sometimes we think we don't deserve it. Sometimes there's a host of people around you to tell you you don't deserve it. But you and I need to begin to understand God is working in your life and he has a plan that's bigger than you can think. So if you're a dreamer, start recognizing God's dream. Joseph is a little boy telling his brothers what was going to happen. They didn't believe him, but he believed it, and he saw it come to pass, and they did too, years and years and years later in Egypt. What are the things you've dreamed that haven't happened yet? What are the ways that you would like to see, but you just have said, oh, well, I'm still going to love God, I'm still going to serve him, and God is saying to you this morning, would you be willing to trust me? Because what happens is this, much of what we experience that we want to see God do, we experience through the lens of hope. We hope it could happen, but we really don't believe that it can. At this point, Zachariah and Elizabeth still hoped that they might have a child, but they both knew the realities around them that contradicted what they hoped. And they weren't able to bring themselves to a place to push through. And yet this is what's so important to realize. The power of God residence in you is so powerful that he gives you the mustard seed of faith that turns hope into faith that produces results. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is it that you've hoped for that hasn't happened? Would you dare to say to God today, God, I don't think I can believe it for myself, but would you give me that just grain of mustard seed faith and would you impregnate my hope with that faith so that I could see what you want to do? Because that's what God did. And when that happened... Everything was changed. And God had a plan. Man, we don't have time to go into this. But the story of John is an amazing story. He was a wild man. But he was a powerful servant of God to usher in the Son of God. He was a man who lived a powerful plan. So embedded in this plan for Zachariah and Elizabeth that had gone way beyond where it seemed like it could happen was even a bigger plan that was God's plan for the world that he was going to live out through John. But John couldn't have carried it out if Zachariah and Elizabeth had not let their hope be turned into faith so that John was born. 
What is it that God's waiting for you to do that may ignite a whole other generation with the power of God's plan in their life? Because you submitted to the plan in your life. Never decide it's too late for God. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the Lord, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Tell you what, natural realities are the best ground for there to be a supernatural explosive contradiction. I don't care how much natural logic, reasoning, understanding tells you The supernatural always has God's ability plugged into it. And God's supernatural always has the right to explode what's supposed to happen in the natural. God was able to look at Elizabeth and say, bear a child. And what the natural world said way too many years have passed since this is even possible, suddenly was birthed into a life that birthed a child so important it's important that you and I live I remember hearing this as a kid I think we even sang a song about it this principle of God said it I believe it that settles it and I've heard people say God said it that settles it but if you leave out the I believe it it's true that God said it that settles it but if you don't put the I believe in the middle God will do it with someone else Remember Reinhard Bonnke talking about when God spoke to him and said, I want you to put this book in the home of every home in the world. And when he said yes to God, he said, God, I'm just so honored that you would choose me. And God said to him, Reinhardt, you're not the first person I asked to do this. You're the fourth. The three people in front of you turned me down. I'd love to know who those people were and to understand what did they miss that Reinhardt found. The man who preached to 80 million people in person because he was willing to take God at his word and he was willing to believe whatever God said. And the real blessing comes when you haven't yet seen but you still fully believe it hasn't been manifested in the natural but you still fully believe some of you think I'm crazy because I have sitting in my office the pan we're going to burn the mortgage in I haven't seen that but I'm going to tell you it's going to happen I believe it I refuse to let two million dollars in the natural stand between me and the provision of God And I believe God wants us to take him at his word and believe and declare things that in the natural may sound foolish to others, but we believe what God's put in our hearts and believe that he's going to be doing it. Because here's the key, and this is what I pray as we go into this next year of going the distance. I pray that this next point is so enlightened in every one of us. Always be willing to think outside of the box. What are you willing to do that's different than how it's been done before? Angel said, I'm Gabriel. (laughs) 
Man, think about that. This is now Gabriel he's talking to. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But since you didn't believe my words, you're going to be silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. You want a sign? Here's a sign. Shut up. That's in the Amplified. The very angel that's standing next to you that you may not be even recognizing right now could be Gabriel who stands next to God. And even if that angel that is walking with you right now that you don't see isn't Gabriel, there isn't any angel that hasn't stood in the presence of God. I want you to think about that. Every day, God has angels around you. And they are angels who have stood and stand in his presence. So that means that the presence of God is being released in your life because he's put angels on assignment to be with you. Don't say, I can't. Because when you say, I can't, you're really saying, I won't. I won't believe God. Because if you say, I believe God, then you're going to say what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His power is resident. What am I going to do to let that power be demonstrated? And it's so important that we prophetically proclaim, declare what God's going to do. Be willing to recognize that the very world was spoken to existence by God. John would take a pencil, or, or Zachariah would take a pencil and write down his name will be John. He was prophetically declaring this is what his name was before it was actually done. What is it that God has spoken in your heart that you have declared? That you have even heard yourself declare? Do you stand in front of the mirror ever and declare what God has said about you? Have you declared to the appropriate people? You've got to be careful with this. There are some people who, who can't understand or appreciate and you need to guard who you share what with. But you need to find trusted people within your life who know how to believe God, who believe in you, believe in God, that you can share, this is what I believe God is doing, so they can say yes and amen to it, and so that it's prophetically put into action. And there are going to be times where whatever it is is so big that you don't know what to say about it. Have you ever faced something that was so overwhelming that there were no words you could describe? You've gotten a report from a doctor. You've heard things. I'll never forget the day, Jen, we stood in your house when you had just fallen. And it was overwhelming to me to watch what you were going through. I'm so thankful you never quit believing God. So that the day we're in Capernaum, <laughs> we're in Peter's hometown, and the hand of God did what doctors couldn't do, 
and touched your arm and hand, your elbow, and totally healed. And I think there were probably times during that whole ordeal that you felt speechless. What else could you say? And yet the hand of God was faithful. Whatever you're going through right now that you don't even want to talk about it anymore, trust it into God's hands. Because what you must never forget, you never are too old. And it's never too late for whatever God has told you. What has God spoken into your heart? What is God wanting to do through you? And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to let it come to the fullness of what God has? I think the keys that worked in Zechariah are so true. Be faithful in the routine while you're expecting the extraordinary. Know that your God-customized plan is really a part of God's bigger plan. Don't ever decide it's too late for God. And always be willing to think outside of the box. God, help us to be people. You know, it's very interesting. It was 50 years ago today that the last humans walked on the moon. December 11th, 1972. And yet, in 1962, a young, very optimistic president of the United States declared man will walk on the moon in this decade. John Kennedy was killed But what he had prophetically declared happened. And there were a total of 12 people who physically have walked on the moon. And then since 1972, there's not been anybody who's walked again. Because other people have decided it costs too much. I can't give you the details of this, but the process of it developing for us to be able to walk on the moon release so much technology that's now used in so many other ways. I wonder what would happen if someone still believed man needs to walk on the moon. I'd sign up right now. Some of you would like for me to go. But I'm going to tell you something. You and I need to catch a vision far greater than our president had had we need a vision of what God wants to do because he hasn't called us to just walk on the moon God's called us and placed us as people to literally transform this world and the day is going to come when I'm going to be jettisoned out of here and I'm going to just zoom right past the moon And I'm going to be joined with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords for eternity. So shall I ever be with the Lord. I believe in that blessed hope. But I also believe there's some things that God wants to do before that hope gets fulfilled in the world now. And the same supernatural power that's going to produce that 
is the same radical ways of God that looked at an old couple and said, you're going to have a baby. And he looked at that baby and said, you're the one to announce Messiah to the world. This Christmas season, your name may not be John. Your parents may not have been 80 years old when you were born. Mine were almost, but they weren't quite that old. But could you see yourself as a person God's called to supernaturally declare Messiah in this Christmas season? God deliver us from the mundane, the routine. God deliver us to be people who begin to watch and see what happened. It's interesting that man walked on the moon in the 1970s for the last time so far. Something else happened in the 70s. There was a mighty move of God, the last truly great awakening of God. I know there's been revival since, but the last truly great awakening that shook the world was a charismatic renewal in the 1970s. Do you know that's been 50 years? Is it possible that it's time for God to have some of us become spiritual Zacharias and Elizabeth and John the Baptist? And release the power of God. Next year, let's go the distance. Just a few days, you're going to have an opportunity to make a decision what you're going to do about first fruits. I'll not know what you do or don't do because I won't be looking to see. But what would you dare to believe God would do with you and in you, through you, in that first act of obedience as the year starts? And then, beginning on January 9th, we're going to have 20 days of prayer and fasting. And as we get closer, I'll talk to you more about what are some things that you've wanted to see happen in your life, things that you've just given up because they've never happened. Maybe it's even your kids. Maybe it's something to do with things that you thought you'd be involved in that haven't happened. Maybe there's been disappointments in places you've been involved. But God is saying to you, I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I still have a way to fulfill my plan, even if the enemy tried to sidetrack it. Dare to pray and believe what God will do. And in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I believe with all my heart we're going to watch God do miracles because I believe we're going to go the distance. And I believe next year we're going to go the distance. We're going to see this church become a church that is cross-generationally strong and where we stand together and we see the power of God demonstrated. It may not look like it did in the 1970s. God deliver us from any kind of polyester suits that might resurface. (laughs) But it's going to be God. And I'm going to be on board. However he demonstrates himself. Because we're never too old. It's never too late for a radical God. God, help us to see this. Help us to live into it and become who you want us to be. Help us to live to the fullness of your plans and purposes in each one of our lives. God, dreams that have been put on a shelf, I pray that you would help us to recognize that you haven't put them on the shelf and that you still have plans you're going to fulfill. God, there may be ways that it's going to be demonstrated different than what we thought, 
but it's still going to be you and it's still going to be powerful. So help us to be open to anything you want to do. May we become putty in your hands for your kingdom's glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you walked into the room today or you're online with us. You don't even know Jesus. You haven't ever asked him into your heart. I'm going to pray a simple prayer in just a moment. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer with me. If you're online, right where you are, you can pray that prayer. If you're in the room, you can pray that prayer. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to just pray the prayer just as a, a affirmation for those who are going to be praying it for the first time today. But would you just join me and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins. Give me eternal life. I receive you now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Online, you just prayed that prayer. Send me a message and let me know that you did. I want to send you some information that will help you as you now begin this new journey in your life with Christ and what he's going to do to raise you up. I'm going to ask members of the prayer team here in the room to come and be here at the front. And uh, after service, if you just prayed that prayer, let them know that. They'll pray with you and they have information they want to give you that will help you in your walk as well as you begin to go into this new place with what God wants to do. And then let's go this week with expectancy and we will see great and mighty things because we look and we determine we're not too old. And some of you who are saying, well, this is just to the, all the old people today. No. If you're not in the old category, it's still not too late. The truth is consistent regardless of the age. Let's all live into it for the glory and goodness of God.